0: Hello and welcome to the NHRA Insider Podcast with Brian Loans. A blazing fire under the body of the nitro powered Toyota Camry of Alexis DeGioria, and this is as bad a fire as you're ever going to see. On this episode, it's Pro Stock Motorcycle Points leader Steve Johnson and sportsman drag racing legend Edmund Richardson. Erica
1: Anders is your 2020 Pro Stock World
0: Champion in stunning fashion. We're talking countdown, baby. Scotty's out on Andrew at 1,000 feet. It's Scotty Polachek for the first time in his career. This is the NHRA Insider. Tony Schumacher. Wow, what an appropriate way to end this one. Twenty-eight 28,000 to the strike. An instant classic final round. Hey everybody, Brian Loans back with another episode of the NHRA Insider. This will be our 101st show, which is kind of wild. The, uh, the, the the dudes in the TV truck or the guys that I work with on the NHRA and Fox broadcast crew uh, pointed that out to me last week, I think specifically Rob Hedrick. So kind of neat that we've made a uh, hundred of these things now, more than a hundred of these shows over the course of the last couple of years, and we're going to keep cranking on them. And for good reason, we have a lot to talk about this week coming off of Maple Grove, coming off of the Mopar Express Lane, NHRA Nationals presented by Pennzoil, What a race. What a weekend of weather. What a weekend of competition. What a weekend of surprises when we got to the final round on Sunday. And one of those surprises is Steve Johnson. We're going to be having him on as our first guest of the show. And maybe we shouldn't be surprised because we've seen this guy win races. We've seen this bike really, really step up to the program over the course of the year. But... Uh, it had fallen off a little bit performance-wise, so we're going to talk to Steve about where he found the performance, how he put everything back together, and how he is uh, going to approach what is now for the Pro Stock Motorcycle contingent five more races in their countdown. Remember, the Nitro cars have a seven-race countdown. Pro Stock and Pro Stock Motorcycle have six races over the course of their countdown. So, got to make them all count. We're going to talk a lot about uh, the results of the race. We also our, our second guest uh, this week is Edmund Richardson, who won Super Gas at the U.S. Nationals, one of the greatest sportsman racers of all time, has um, kind of reemerged. And uh, we're going to talk to him about why he's back out, what he's looking to do. And, um, well, we know what he's looking to do, keep winning, which is something that it seems as though he's going to keep doing because the guy is just a machine. Doubling back now to Maple Grove, Pennsylvania, uh, we can go class by class. Of course, the final in Pro Stock Car with Greg Anderson and, and Erica, and Greg getting himself a couple of hundreds off the starting line and able to uh, to power down to get that ninety seventh victory, one that almost like John Force's one fiftieth. You know, we when we kind of stop talking about it is when it happened. And it's, it's interesting how that always kind of seems to play out in sports, whether it's in drag racing or anything else. Uh, we build a lot of storylines around great things, about momentous uh, accomplishments, about, uh, you know, record-shattering wins. And then uh, they don't come in that in that way that we expect they would. And then we finally see it happen, and it happens, you know, listen, the way it should. Uh, Greg did a great job at Maple Grove. He leads the points. Erica was disappointed to lose the final, but uh, at a racetrack that she has historically not been very good at, meaning her team and her, um, she's not had a lot of success at Maple Grove. Uh, The fact they made that final, really they exceeded their own expectations. They wanted to make the semis. Anything past the semis was going to be gravy. Not only did they make the semis, they won the semis and just fell a little bit short to Greg. What a moment for him. And of course, the next one's going to be 98, which puts him into territory that no one has ever treaded into in the world of pro stock car. Top Fuel Eliminator. Um, I, probably most of you, had Steve Torrance penciled in for the win in Maple Grove. um, I actually had him penciled in to basically run the table on the whole thing like they did a few years ago. But uh, my ideas, my opinions were obviously wrong. And the way that this one played out uh, was pretty spectacular if you're Billy Torrance. Makes that final round, has to race Justin Ashley. Ashley, as we'd expect, is out of the gate first, has problems, at Billy Motors by him at the end of the racetrack. So it was it was high tension, high drama. And then the Nitro Funny Car category, which is, um, is going to be one we're all going to talk about right up until the end. As we all expected, Tommy Johnson Jr. sitting in for Matt Hagan, of course, Hagan. For the NHRA COVID policy, Uh, it it was earning points by virtue of the car being on the racetrack. And we're expecting to see him back in Charlotte. Uh, Matt has posted that he has lost some 30 pounds uh, battling uh, COVID-19. It's been a rough road for him the last couple of weeks. But I do believe we will see him in Charlotte. And if that changes, we'll we'll be the first to tell you. You can follow NHRA.com for any updates on that front. For Tommy Johnson Jr., it was a dream weekend, uh, an incredibly fast, consistent race car that he drove like a boss. He drove like a man who uh, was not wearing a lot of pressure on his shoulders, was simply there to prove that he could do this job still as good as anybody in the world, maybe better. And in the final round, he proved that he was the best guy in the property. The whole team was the best between the performance of their car and the performance of him behind the wheel. A great final round versus John Force. And... um you know, for, for, for nitro funny car fans, just keep your belts buckled because this is um, this is one that you're not going to want to miss a second of. Bob Tasker third going out early was a big, big surprise. That's a contending car that has taken a hit in the points and a hit that may be very difficult to recover from. As we get ready to go down to the NHRA DeWalt Carolina Nationals this weekend at ZMAX Dragway. So, you know, that's kind of the over highline look, overview highline look, and uh, Brittany Forrest, David Grubnik, and team combined to do what we expected they would in those conditions. I'm not sure we expected a 365, but we got one, and we that car was just just brutally fast until it wasn't. And and we see that happen when you walk that very fine line of of ultra high performance, it can go both ways. And for David Grubnick and Brittany Forrest and their entire team, the disappointment you could just read it on their face when that car got eliminated. So we have uh, kind of an unsettled Top Fuel field, which is great. We definitely have an unsettled Pro Stock, a rather funny car field. The Pro Stock field did mostly play out kind of according to plan in terms of who you'd expect to go deep, who you'd expect to see victory, and who you would expect to uh, who you would expect to make it and establish their points you know, position, if you will. Uh, Greg Anderson did the best thing he possibly could have done, right? You win the first race of the countdown. There's no better start than that. Especially if you're coming in number one, I always feel like when we have a number one that comes in and, and stumbles early, uh, if you look back at how difficult it is to re kind of assert yourself to that position, whether it's the psychology of it or whether it's the physicality of actually doing it, uh, it is a big psychological break, especially in the countdown to go from number one to say number two or even three or four after the first event. Greg Anderson did not fall prey to that, and Eric Enders did not give him a quarter, or did not give him quarter in terms of, uh, or leash, I should say, in terms of a points lead. So Maple Grove went, in terms of a fan, in terms of someone who loves drag racing and loves the drama of NHRA camping world competition, it didn't get any better than that. And maybe it gets better this weekend, and and maybe it continues to get better as the... um, as the heat gets turned up and gets turned up and gets turned up round by round by round here in this countdown. But um, we got off on our best foot. So that was um, that was super great. And just super thankful to have a great racing surface down there. And my goodness, the crowds. Friday was big. Saturday and Sunday, although it was never publicly stated, sure looked like sellouts to me. I mean, they had people stacked up for hours trying to get in the racetrack. They had them stacked up in the grandstand, stacked up along the fence. It looked, felt, and exuded the energy of what we would love to have every single NHRA event feel like. Dedicated fans with a rooting interest that were on the edge of their seats screaming and yelling if their guy or girl won or lost. Everybody was riding on every run, and it really did make for a intense weekend. Not only at the racetrack, it makes for an intense weekend for all of us. And I think that's an interesting point to kind of carry around with us is the fact that you know the energy that comes out of those grandstands to the racers, it translates really across the board. When we're making our TV shows, yeah, we're kind of you know cloistered in our trucks and stuff like that, seemingly sealed off from the rest of the world. But we could feel it. We could hear the crowd screaming. We could hear them reacting. Um, we would sneak out and kind of peek down the fence line to see how full it was. And my goodness, it was um, it was a bumper crop of drag racing fans. So this weekend, Dewalt Carolina Nationals. It is an enormous weekend for NHRA because of the fact that our broadcast on Sunday on the. West Coast will precede NFL on Fox coverage. On the East Coast, will follow the afternoon NFL on Fox game. Um, by By really any measure, it should del- it should deliver just an incredibly massive audience to us. And we have some fun football themed stuff that we're working on to uh, to get into the show. Beyond the competition, we have full fields, we have overflow fields, so there will be some qualifying dramatics going on, which we have been sorely lacking in this year. That's no real surprise there. There does not appear to be any. Uh, ability or any uh, possibility of buy runs for anybody, which is, again, something that we have uh, unfortunately seen a bunch of this year. But I don't believe that it's detracted from the excitement. I think you look at the crowds and you look at the Sunday shows and you look at the way people have been watching and following this year. Listen, we're we're, we're doing the best we can with what we got. NHRA is working very hard has some good programs in place to help the car count and uh, it does look like from this point forward we're going to have some uh, some pretty stout fields across the board so all of that is great news I want to transition out of our first guest Steve Johnson the winner of the pro stock motorcycle category at Maple Grove Raceway and now the points leader in pro stock motorcycle Steve comes to us from his shop Steve how you doing down there buddy
1: oh man I'm a uh...
2: if you have a if you have a life goal and you feel like you're you took another step towards it you'd feel pretty darn good I think
0: yeah no that's a great that's actually a great uh great way I want to begin this conversation because you did take a a big step toward it and you took a what looked to me to be a pretty convincing step toward it and you know I want to take some baby steps getting us there but you know when you rolled up to the starting line in the final round what was the feeling versus you rolling up to the starting line in final rounds earlier this year? Was it the same feeling or did you know that maybe more confidence, less confidence, what?
2: Uh that's a good question. I, I think um well, I think okay, to answer your question, uh I felt uh I, I didn't feel confident was a feeling, but it wasn't a, it wasn't the top of my mind. Okay. The top the top of my mind was to do, was to was to do what I was um practicing to do and and that is uh a a, a process and if i follow the process to the letter i'm i'm i personally and the team is going to love the results
0: absolutely and that process is mental it's physical what is this process
2: well at that moment it, it it's definitely mental uh because the because the 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 physical part you know the uh the the working out and you know not necessarily every day at the gym but there are there are things in life that you can do to help your body um, getting vitamin D for instance you know those those are things you don't do at the gym you know Absolutely. so uh, and and it's not necessarily with it with a with a supplement so there are things that you can do that uh, in life that I think. Um, that if you learn a little bit and you see your results, then you chase that stuff. And it, it doesn't have to be always at the gym. So when all of those things are done, when, when Jock and I have put this, you know, every night we, we, uh, put springs in well, at, at every Saturday night, we, we take the engine apart and put springs in. It's not a big deal. The, the V twin guys have done it. And the, uh, Chris McGee, <laughs> Chris McGee's dad, he, he used to do it every, every round. They pull the valve cover off. And, you know, when I was there. On the dyno, it's like take the valve cover. Yeah, that was the first little job I got to do in the, <laughs> the dyno room. Was to take the valve cover off and do the right side. Uh, do the right side. And Mason's over there and pulling on them and changing them, and I'm looking at every little teeny tiny. Hey, this this keeper just looks a little bit weird to me. And, you
0: know,
2: <laughs> it's 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 all it's all stuff. So yeah, again, to answer the question is, um, I think at that point it's it's really uh, reflecting on the mental thought, the process. And, uh, like they say in South Georgia, I want to be consecutive.
0: Yeah. And, and you were consecutive, consecutively very good. So let's take a step back rolling into the gate at Maple Grove. You had a better motorcycle than we've seen you have in, in several races. And my question there is, again, is this, is this, Is this an evolutionary process? Did you go through a period of, okay, let's try a little different direction that didn't work, or was this you, as you've done in the past, just kind of reassessing every step you take in the shop and every way you open a doorknob and looking at every single thing you do to improve because that motorcycle you were on Sunday was spectacular.
2: Uh, Thank you. Thank you. I'll tell tell everybody that that may not have watched the show, I'll I'll tee it up in, in this fashion you go to the bar and there's that there's that thing in the middle of the bar in Texas and it's a, it's a simulated bull yeah and you throw a leg over that thing and and you hang on you're 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 hanging on you ride, you're you're and when when you're a professional rodeo guy you're you're I would think that you get on that bull and you're you're riding it well a pro stock motorcycle you are in theory you are are very planned, and you're trying to create a specific goal, and everything. You want to be intentional about staging with with surgical procedure. You want to be intentional about how the clutch is and the throttle and and where you're sitting and and blah. blah. You when the light comes down, where you're look. All these things want to be very intentional. So, so I think uh, before I get so far away from my answer to remember your question. I think what I'm, uh, what I'm trying to do is, is riding the bike. is is not in my eyes. It's driving the motorcycle. And I was, I felt so much pressure because y'all listening. The weather is so so relative to the performance of a normally aspirated engine. And, um, and I will tell you, I talked to Slugger Labby, uh, just briefly. Cause I know him from Dale Earnhardt and he was talking to me about details and it really made me think more about all the details of everything that happens out there. Yeah. All the pressures on us to go fast because the weather's so good. It's like we printed a shirt up that says we have the, the quickest Suzuki pro Stalker ever. And so as much as I wanted to make $3,000 selling shirts, you know, I, uh, there's, there's a, now I created some pressure because now it puts a real bullseye on our back, and when you have weather conditions that are so good, you better you yeah. better run good or somebody's gonna steal steal your shirt, and then what, uh, your shirt's no good. So <laughs> all this stuff is weighing on my pea sized brain, and I just sucked so bad in qualifying riding the bike.
0: And was that because? I mean, was that because it was a lower pressure situation? Was that because and not that you weren't taking it lightly. You're trying to make every run, as you said, intentional. Every movement's intentional. You're trying to make every run the best you can make it. But when you it's just a completely different feeling. I mean, we were talking about it before we made our show on Sunday. How you know qualifying on on Friday and Saturday coming off the U.S. Nationals is like, man, this almost feels like a little relaxed environment. And then you're rolling on Sunday, and it was very locked down. You could just feel the energy was different. And and does that go the same for you? Is that is that somewhat of an explanation between between not being all there on a on a qualifying day versus being all there on an elimination day?
2: Well, as as I lean back in my hat and or as I lean back in my chair a little bit and think of that at the U.S. Nationals, that was amazing. I, I, I watched some of that and it just it burned my butt to listen to Eddie scream and holler after he won. Gosh darn it, you know it's like uh, bad for bad for us that I that I did a bad job there too. But um, to to answer kind of what you were saying, not 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 exactly. I made specific. Bad choices, decisions, actions, intentionality—all of that stuff. On Friday's session, and we're at one hundred five sixty foot. All you're gonna do is push the button at yeah. that point. Yeah. Gosh darn it! And I—I I just literally forgot what was going on, and I just oh, the red's on the rev limiter for an hour, and it's like gosh darn it. So, and and believe me, being on a rev limiter at at fourteen thousand—not
0: a place you want to be.
2: <laughs> yeah, listen, folks. At fourteen thousand RPM, the springs are going up and down, and we have really good APE springs, but but they can't handle they can't handle that kind of abuse. And then and then I put it in third gear and I rev limiter it even worse in third gear. So it's like you get so behind in your in your thoughts right there that it's really really tough. Uh, we we practiced a little sidebar. We we uh, tested in St. Louis with Chris McGehee and some people. And man, I wasn't intentional on how I left the line and it left so hard. One Oh five, 60 foot or anything is a fast on a bike. And I could not pull myself back to where I needed to be on the bike. Wow. I had to let off. Wow. And, and that just, I wish I could, I, you know, we have the greatest sport because we invite our fans into our pit areas, our locker rooms, and, and I drag them in the trailer and show them the computers. I, I sit, sit the kids on the bike, all that stuff. But I, I just, you know, I see the microphones up on our starting lines. If you, if y'all have never watched one of our shows or been to one of our races, you got, you got to really drag yourself out there because I promise you'll be happy. It's so much excitement at, at the race, but even watching on TV, you just can't get the feel of what it is. A fuel car, uh, Larry Dixon in a fuel car flooring it you know it's five g's or four you know but but there's a there's a there's a roll bar back there and there's a there's a seat back <laughs> yeah there. they got a
0: bunch of stuff holding them in yeah
2: and and the fuel guys i don't know exactly what their 60 foots are but their front wheels in there it's a wild ride but a pro stock motorcycle you know it is it is accelerating hard when it leaves the line three g's on our g meter and and you know you got to be on the bike when it you got to be on the bike when it goes into second gear, much less going into high gear. So, um, still to answer your question, I just did a horrible, horrible job riding the bike. Not only on on the great weather on Friday, but on the great weather on Saturday too. Both of those sessions. On the on the last session, we went in eighty one. It shook its brains out, and it, it still went in eighty one. So, I mean, I I knew I knew I knew coming into the race what it could run, and I definitely knew at least the team got a little motivation. They were so, they were so bummed that we sucked so bad, but I told him, to hang with me, hang with, please hang with me. And then, and then I got some, some, uh, some, some help, uh, from my team, uh, uh, and and I, I went through some procedures on Sunday morning, and it, it it got me back to where I needed to be.
0: Yeah, I mean, how and and for you personally, like you know, you're being self-critical now. I know you're being self-critical then. So you, how do you just erase the memory of of the bad day or the bad two days to then to then put the game face on?
2: Well, I thought about saying it and telling you because I figured you were going to ask that question, and then I thought about my competition, uh, you know, and I and and. You got you. you Y'all are listening. Please just take one breath, one second, and just really think about. I've been chasing this thing for 30 30, more than two days, you know, and it's like I want this really, really bad, you know, because I don't know what's what happens tomorrow, you know, all this stuff. So so so, uh, this is war. It's 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 kind of war, you know, and so but i do like to inspire people and and uh there are there are you know i guess to answer your question you know i was worried that i'm gonna help the competition i watched matt smith ride yesterday on 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 your on your tv show and (laughs) that damn guy rides good man he's he's a stud you know but this does you don't air you don't re-air this do you
0: yeah, this isn't live. This is going to be. Rec- this is being recorded, and and uh, so so Matt's so Matt's uh, head will inflate now more.
2: You know, there's some there's some girls out there. There's some guys out there that just really really ride good, and I'm so darn impressed. And I wanna I wanna be I wanna ride good like them. So it's like, you know, you need to go back to some fundamentals. I'm fortunate. I'm very very fortunate uh, to have gone to George Bryce's. Uh, school that he had at frank holly's drag racing school even if even if you don't want to ride a pro stock motorcycle and you want to be involved in drag racing you got to go look up frank holly's drag racing school it's the you, you know well don't look it up because as soon as you go through it you're going to be hooked you right. know you're going to really love our <laughs> sport and and, and you're going to come and you're going to race and you're going to you're going to do things and stuff like that you're going to tell your kids about it but i was fortunate to go through that and georgie's was it you know some people like him some people don't but he taught a school and i think he they taught it's not well over 5000 yeah, people i mean
0: and and i've i've honestly never heard anybody that's been through george's side of it or frank's side of it that has had nothing but stellar things to say about about the experience and and it's uh, an experience that again the the mechanics of riding the motorcycle safely and and trying to go fast are one thing but everybody all they talk about is the mental Education that comes out of that school, and uh, and and I'm guessing, you know, in a roundabout way, you're you're kind of alluding to the fact that you called back on some of that stuff.
2: So in golf, there's this guy Bob Rothstein, and he he's like this mental coach. So you know, you, Tiger Woods, all these people that they, they they know how to swing the club and they can hit the ball, do whatever, draw it, whatever. But you but we we just, I'm sitting over, I'm sitting on my motorcycle, and I want to make four perfect passes on Sunday, and it starts with the first one. So it's like, let me do this first six and. <laughs> 6.7 seconds perfect. These guys lean over a putt for, for a two foot putt for six million dollars. Are you kidding me? <laughs> my brain would be, uh, you know, uh, uh, th- th- I've golfed and you know, we bet we had a uh, you know, I don't think I've ever, I might have, there might have been a time where I was in team play and it was a hundred dollar putt, but six million dollars. Are you kidding me at the Masters?
0: Yeah, insane. Oh
2: my god, but anyway. You know, so so the mental side, like you said, is just so so important. And 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 uh, and and my my team, my coach is, you know, everything I learned at Georgia's school. Uh, Larry Dixon uh, was 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 talking about, you know, he Larry Dixon told me to watch. He says he says, man, man, he never dogged me out, but he gave me great advice. He said go watch some races that you've won. And I'm like, well, I don't have that many, you know, (laughs) I got to go into the archives to find them, you know, but it's like, uh, that was, that, that helped. I I did that Sunday morning. I went through a lot, a lot, a lot of fundamentals on Sunday morning. And, and I, I was out on the track, uh, early and, uh, I'm telling you, I'm as proud as that as I am those darn engines.
0: So I'll tell you, you, you and, and this is a perfect segue because, you know, you you use the phrase, this is war. And, and in effect, it is. And I think, you know, you look back in history and, and people have said it a thousand times, but most wars are won or lost before the sh- first shot ever gets fired. And this is this is the part of the conversation I want to dig into with you because it's a part of your your program it's a part of your personality it's a part of who you are that so few people appreciate which is the fact that i mean dude you live like a monk down there in the shop and and that's where you live and and um it it is incredibly impressive to me your dedication i mean you're sending me videos all hours of the day or night when you're working on stuff down there so let's dig into this this portion of steve johnson which is the side of you so too few people understand your dedication to this thing so Let's talk about the engines. Let's talk about the cylinder heads and let's talk about exactly what your normal weekly routine is as far as work.
2: Oh, okay. Okay. And, and I'll tell you, it, it all, it all started with the, with, you know, street, week. Larry Dixon and I and Karen Stouffer and Beckman, all, all these people, you know, we, we were young once and dumb and, 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 uh, you know, street racing. So, you know, go to street races, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know then it's fast you're racing is all the money and blah 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 and then so that that you know somebody gets killed and then you go to the drag strip and then then you meet john asher because you don't have any money and and he teaches about sponsors and then and you go through this progression and pretty soon it's like wow i need to go to a job and it's like wow i could turn this into a job you know that's how break started yeah you know the, the little boy said to, to doug herbert well we race all the time out on these streets over there and i and, 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 and Doug's trying to tell him what to say. And I'm I'm like, Doug, if, if this is going to be your passion, you, you need to give him some direction and, and tell him, you know, go to the drag strip where it's safe, have some fun. And, and, and maybe, maybe even, maybe even get good at it and turn it into a career and, and get paid to do it, you know? And yeah. so that's where, that's where we all were. So as I grew through that, I'm like, I got a sponsor and I was more excited about the sponsor than I was about winning. And now it's, now it's, it's long, it's long past that. I have a lot of, you know, Matt's got four championships, Eddie's got five or nine or 12 and and Andrew's got 38 of, you know, all these people have all these championships. So, and I I don't have any, and that's, that's my goal is to get a championship. So I can talk to young people and be a little bit more credible about skilled trades and how, how valuable they are.
0: And, and, that's all well and good. And and I wonder if part of you, yeah. You know, and it's, this is a very honest question, so however you want to answer it, you can. Do you look at the way you approached your program for a while with any regret? You mentioned how many, how many championships or wins other people have. Do you look at periods of your career and think, if only I had done this different, or like you said, your focus may be over the top on the sponsor versus winning the races. So is there a part of you that is, is atoning for that now with the way you race?
2: Oh, my gosh. Yes. I, I know. I don't think you're supposed to, uh, you know, as a general rule, I have the general rules, you know, how you eat and sleep and all these things that I try to follow. But, yeah, as a general rule, I don't think regret's a great thing, but I think you can still look back on it. History, yeah. You know, it's like, hell, I, I, I looked at what we did at Pomona and, and we stunk up the place. And uh, I'm like, I'm definitely not going to do that again. So history is important, and I did make some uh, regrettable mistakes over there. But with the, with the career thing, yeah, you know, I, I used to know where the shrimp cocktail was. It was in the Winston Suite, but I didn't know much about racing. Yeah. So, you know, now um, it's, it's very, very engaged. It's, 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 Tony Robbins says, have a compelling reason to do something. Get the best advice on the planet, and use massive action, and you'll be successful at anything. I and and I truly believe you'll be successful at love, relationships, making money, and and possibly uh, even winning a camp. I get a chill telling you, winning a Camping World Pro Stock Motorcycle Championship.
0: Is this the first time in your career that you believe that's attainable?
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, well, I always believed
0: but truly I, I believe like I we, think... we all believe a lot of stuff, but I mean, right down to the depths of who you are, is this, it, has it, has it ever gone as deep as it does now?
2: Yeah. No, 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 no. that's it. That's a, Cause I was going to try to see, you know, we all believe that we can, we can get through that red light, you know, or yeah. that, that yellow light, you know, we all believe we can get there. And then we look in the back to see if there's a cop. We all, we all believe that we're, you know, a little iffy on that one and we judge ourselves, but man, uh you know, to, to look a sponsor in the eye or to look myself in the eye or, you know, to, 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 yeah, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm more, I have more of the tools that justifies the confidence now than I ever have.
0: Yeah. I mean, it looks like it. I mean, honestly, you know, when, and it's not a situation where it's good one week and then not good the next. I mean, this bike for the majority of the season has, has been very good because of your dedication, which I want to double back on that. So, you know, like I said before you you kind of live like a monk down there because the you're you're at the shop if you're not at the shop maybe you go home to take a shower and then you go back to the shop so that's what I really want to talk about is is what is on a normal week especially a race week as you're making preparation I know it's a short amount of time but what is your in and out schedule at the at the race shop this particular week it's
2: um I I did go home last night it was 3 i i i was off the phone <laughs> i i watched i watched nhra tv there you go <laughs> i got to see um yeah i got to see the the, the i wanted to see the second round because i i that second round when we went to seventy seventy eight 78 I, I thought that was real i was like wow that I, I impressed the heck out of me because it's horrible weather and so I watched that and then, then I, then I watched, uh, you know, I watched the fuel guys and I, 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 I am mean, still a, a lover and fan of the, the sport and, and uh, <laughs> when they threw the ice on Tommy Johnson, that was hilarious. it was great. And, and jo- John Vandermeer called me last night and Lorraine. And I was so, pre- I was just so blessed. And, 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 uh, you know, just those phone calls, you know, uh, very, very, probably one of the most famous crew chiefs in the fuel categories ever called me. And, and, and so, but, but, um, you know, so, uh, I'm sleeping at three. I can't, I, I didn't sleep really, really good. So I was, I was up at, at seven Um, and, uh, then I zoomed to the shop and, um, you know, I, I, uh, I don't even turn the lights on in the administration area. We had seven people in my heyday working here, uh, brand managers, office manager, uh, truck driver, you know, the whole deal. And, uh, so now I go in and, and uh, go into my office and, and look for my list and start, start my day that way. Um, most of the times, I don't, I don't necessarily have breakfast, but I, I know I, I should. So I, I will stop. Uh, so I'll go in. And uh, like Jock got here last night, he drove nonstop from – I'm trying to answer your question so you can visualize it. But Jock drove nonstop from Monday, – Monday morning, we dropped him off at 5.30 a.m. Okay. And, and Glenn and I went to the airport. And, and flew home. So I, I, got, I got home uh, Monday at noon. Monday at noon, I came right to the shop, never went home, changed clothes, anything, and just started working. So to get you a little bit more acclimated, Jock rolls in at eight o'clock last night. We unload, put the truck, put the, uh, put the bike in in the tray in the shop and the spare engine in the shop. I start pulling it apart and uh, Jock goes home and uh i I go through my list of things that that need to be done try to have some some stability and some organizational skills and i highlight the ones that need to be done i go to the ice chest because we've all left ice chests in our in the back of our vehicles uh, after a camping trip and and then you get some kind of organic factory burning in there so i (laughs) i make sure to i make sure to empty the the uh that and um and then uh, uh, I, I have some T-shirt sales. We have this new T-shirt, stevejohnsonracing.com. It's a really cool T-shirt. So I, I process those orders, and then uh, I go back out into the shop and uh, get, get um, uh, my engine takeout tools out and start getting the engine ready to take out so when Jock gets here in the morning, um, we, we, we we're hands on deck. So in the, nice. I said, I wait, I say I stayed up all night and watched. So I wake up seven 30, come to the shop, go through kind of the same thing, go into the uh, thing, see if I got any t-shirt orders and stuff like that. And then I, uh, then go, um, uh, look for my list and then go, uh, instantly on, uh, this week will be the engine comes out, the cylinder, then the engine gets rolled, uh, you know, 20 feet in, into the engine room. Um, we put it on the stand, Take the, uh, um, uh, do, do some checking, uh, spark plugs and uh, do a cold leak down just to, just to check and, uh, do an overall inspection. Take the head off. Um, uh, I'll write down every spring pressure, um, both open, uh, opened and and closed and, uh, looking at every single part. We have some issues going on, so I'm going to be really excited to to see what kind of wear is going on under the hood, so to speak. And then, uh, um, the, the bottom end comes apart. Look at the transmission. Uh, the transmission was that uh, we 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 had regret in Sonoma I raised Jerry Savoy and uh, was fixing to haul haul the mail because I figured out the stupid thing I did there too and uh, And it and was it? riding ability, but uh, it popped out a second gear and uh, um, uh, So I, I, I I'm not gonna let that ever happen again. So then uh, the engine will go back together uh, with with new parts new springs um, probably a valve job touched up just a, a little bit or just hand lap everything um, we'll check the rings and the cylinders and and you're lo- I'm looking for some specific things in the cylinder walls uh, especially you know issues with it with the pistons you look at the rings real good to see you know if there's anything wrong with those and um, uh, then the crank the crank is the most critical thing on our engine so you're, there's little washers on each side of the rods and you spin those around make sure that they're not stuck or or been overheated or anything like that and you put the engine all back together and and that will happen um that will happen uh ho- hopefully in 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 one work day uh, yeah. not an eight hour day but, uh, but uh, a but a about a 14 you know, hour day uh, <laughs> yeah a bob a bob glidden a bob, bob, glidden, bob glidden day yeah bob and, 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 and how about Rusty and Billy Glenn send me notes? How cool is that? That is, know? uh, that is
0: really cool. That oh is really my cool. God. Cause,
2: cause I got, I, I got to golf with Bob. I wasn't, uh, you know, I got to know him. They're really good at the end, but I, I golfed with him and he was, he was a lot of fun. But so then Wednesday, uh, the, the engine will go and we, and we want to, we, we need, uh, the tires got a certain amount of runs on it and we need to, uh, um, uh, you know, we need to, uh, keep a run count and. And I've really learned about documenting everything. So I do make a copy of everything and, and scan it. So I save it on the computer. So in case my, I lose my, my, what I call my hobbyist handbook, um, that has all our runs on it. And that's a reference to Matt, yeah. you know, from, from all that <laughs> BS. But, um, uh, so, so in between there, when Jock gets here, uh, I'll have, uh, sometimes I'll have a, a, a couple of eggs on, on some sprouted bread and, uh, um, if, if I have that in the morning, otherwise Jock has lunch at two. And, uh, sometimes he says, Hey, you want some ribs? And I'm like, hell yeah. yeah. So I'll have, uh, <laughs> um, so, so I didn't even go to the store. So I had a buddy bring me over, uh, five big heads of, of broccoli. So I have enough broccoli till, till uh, I leave here on Thursday. And, uh, so at two o'clock I'll, I'll, if Jock goes out and gets something and brings me back something, I just leave it up to him. Otherwise I'll just have my broccoli and uh we'll have the engine in we'll have a new tire on uh probably we'll do some checking i have some electrical stuff that needs to be checked on the motorcycle um and then uh uh fulfilling the rest of all the things that happen on the list that need to be done like some tools need to be taken in. uh, just just procedural things that need to happen to load our little 20-foot trailer it's still embarrassing as heck to be out there next to everybody else's big rig. But, well, listen, it um, is
0: not embarrassing when you're beating them out of a 20-foot trailer. It's only, you know, that's, and, you know, I think uh, a, a great kind of historical... You know, visual that people have always had in drag racing and, and a lot of motorsports is that idea that the guy with the little trailer beating the guys with the big trailers, and it's it's still a thing that exists today. Clearly, because we're watching, we're watching you do it. You know, from the description you've given as far as the kind of rundown, run through, it, it it would sound to me anyway that the the idea that there's any magic bullets laying out there for anybody to find at this point in the year is is foolish, right? The the die has been cast in terms of what you're going to be showing up to the racetrack with in this countdown I would guess the the mentality of the springtime beginning of the season trying to feel in your way out versus what it is now what I'm hearing from you is forensic investigation to make sure what we got is good we know what we have is good so long as it's prepared correctly and that's what you're bringing to the racetrack in terms of let's try this this week let's try this next week
2: yeah. And, 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 uh, so, so I thought about that. So to, let me, let me sum it up. So the point is, is you bring the, you bring the motorcycle in, you check all your parts, you check the engines, you, it comes apart, you put it back together, you, you put in new parts. Um, when it's all back together, then, then we're fortunate. We have a, a, a special rear wheel. It's off a of Corvette. Uh, the tires off a of Corvette, uh, late model Corvette. And we mounted it on a wheel we put that on the bike and then the bike goes on a chassis dyno So when it goes on a chassis dyno, it's got to have a special clutch and blah 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 So you put it on the chassis dyno and you run through it and that that allows you to be able to see are, are the coils working? Is the electrical working? is it got a miss? Is it got does it need spark plugs? Is this, is the spark plug wire bad? I mean, that's a big advantage, you know, and so but it's it's very 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 time-consuming We have a separate room. We have an HVAC system that yours truly designed for the first time ever with a lot of help. But, uh, and, and it's the same system that just uses a, uh, a, 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 a servo to, to uh, change it from the engine dyno uh, evacuation system to the chassis dyno evacuation system. So it's it's one deal. So we'll run it on there to make sure it's got the same same power. And when it, when it comes off there, <laughs> that's when you know that if the driver does a good job, it's yeah. going to produce the numbers. And if it doesn't, then, then you're in trouble and 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 that's happened before we've had to take the whole engine apart when it's come off the dyno and 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 that's where the process was where we missed our first race in 20 something years but um you know that that whole process comes back into the shop after the chassis dyno then it gets the tire put back on then it gets the right clutch put back in it and then in theory everything's ready you wipe it down and and you and you put it back in the trailer so that's kind of a a glorified word but as you said there's no there's no silver bullet that we're looking for and jason line jason line came over to me and you know i know we're not supposed to talk about all the personal conversations. yes we are that's the good stuff it, it, it's 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 um it's it's a uh, there's a little bit of context behind it that i won't go into it but he says he, he says you got something that runs good it doesn't need to go back on the engine dyno don't keep looking for four, for 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 0.4 more horsepower, uh, you know, so it's like, just run what you got. So that was, that was good advice. It was smart advice. And, and, uh, and, uh, I just think it's pretty darn cool that Jason line would tell me that.
0: It's great. And what better, what better guy to have, uh, to have that kind of affirmation given to you. And, and, you know, I, I think what's always cool about a conversation like that is he's telling you that because, He's tortured himself to death doing it, and he knows it's worthless to do that, right? And so it's almost, um, I don't want to say brotherly advice, but it's almost brotherly advice. Like, I've made this mistake before. It won't help you either, so stop it.
2: And and, and y'all, listen, and th- this is what's so cool about our sport. Everybody knows Jason and Line and Greg are buddies with Vance and Hines, and Vance and Hines is just a powerhouse. They make the best crankshafts in the world. They make an awesome, you know, they supported our, our pro class, blah, 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 blah but but uh, you know for him for him to for him to tell me that that's that's some that's some really that's some really smart nice advice and and, and you know I, I have fun with Greg because every time I I'll see Greg and he'll drive by you know he's he, y'all listen focus on this here comes Greg he's being towed with the golf cart he's standing on on the side on the door panel kind of the whatever they the, call the floor post or whatever um, of the car it, it, the door's open. He's steering, and he's got one hand out. And I'll holler, I'll holler, yo, yo, you're my favorite. Love you, Jason. All right, get him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so,
2: <laughs> he's all happy when I'm like, woo, And then I said, I, you're my favorite, Jason. And then he's like, oh. So, <laughs> people used to do that in Don Tredome all the time with Willie in the back pushing it. But anyway, um, it is really good advice. And, and no matter what you're doing, I I encourage all the instructors that I talk to at schools that you need an advisory committee. People need it. It's like the, the the smartest guy at Apple doesn't make, there's not one guy that makes every decision. It's all, you know, our country's run, whether you, you know, A or B guy, you know, there's people making it. So, so the more that you can have, You know, uh, an advisory committee, and that picking the advisory committee for me was so important. And it changes; it gets modified. I'm on the board. I'm on the board of breaks. You know, kind of a co-founder. You know, or uh, of the thing. I'm proud of that. But it's like, you know, good companies, smart companies, successful companies have an advisory committee. So that's that's been probably my biggest piece of success. Is um, you know, I'm I'm dedicated. I'll, I'll stay here as long as it takes to. I struggle with every part of it and I love hearing those stories from the pro stock car guys. It's like, Oh yeah, I've messed this up and I messed this up and I made this mistake. And I love that because I have ruined, Brian, I've ruined a lot of stuff since I started this little journey here. I, I, <laughs> I milled the head and I, I, I milled it. I milled it 20,000s the wrong way. And, and, and uh. th- th- this had, this had one thousandth of, of this, this had to be moved the right way. You know? So it's like, <laughs> God. and when you flip something up upside down, now it's backwards and in, inverted and all that. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it, it's the advisory committee and then and then it's behaving being able to take that advice, that direction and use that massive action.
0: Man, Steve, this has been a very enlightening conversation. I really do appreciate the time and the the insight into how you've uh, gotten to where you're at, not only right now, but certainly over the course of your career. So wish you all the luck, man. You um, you, you came out swinging, which is what anybody that's going to be successful at this part of the year needs to do. So I'll let you get back to work because I know you get a lot of it by your description. So uh, best of luck. I will see you in Charlotte this weekend. And um, you got a lot of people pulling for you. It's going to be fun to see how this all plays out.
2: Yeah, make make sure you all take some vitamin C. Take care of yourselves. Get an oximeter. Keep your an eye on your blood content. And and uh, uh, be be smart. Get an advisory committee. And and uh, I know, I know I'm preaching, but uh, uh, be great. Be fantastic. And uh, and and, and uh, come to our races. That's it. And, and check out and check out my new T-shirt on my on my website.
0: Bam, SteveJohnsonRacing.com. Right. Yep. Perfect, Steve. Thank you very much. Thanks, Brian. So that was a really enlightening conversation with Steve Johnson, I think, on a whole lot of different levels. You talk about a guy who, again, has been chasing this to his own admission for 30-something years, a guy who has refined an approach over time by, like we all do, by making mistakes, by learning from those mistakes, and by getting better and moving ahead from them. And it's, uh, it was interesting. I think that's, that's uh, a great insight into a guy that uh, people don't know enough about Steve Johnson. And um, I'm, I'm glad we were able to, to turn the light on some things there, including the fact that guy's got an engine dyno down there in his shop. Guy's got a chassis dyno down there in his shop. And this success that he has had in 2021 um, and really starting in 2020 has not been by any sort of uh, happy accident. It's been by a lot of dedication, certainly a lot of hard work. Dedication and hard work, definitely something that our next guest has personified over the course of an incredible career. He is one of the greatest sportsman drag racers of all time. His latest accomplishment was a super gas win at the U.S. Nationals, bringing him to 49 career national event victories. He has 50 event wins on the Lucas Oil Drag Racing Series level, and umpteen gazillion wins in the world of uh, bucks-up bracket racing. And, of course, speaking of Ed Richardson. Ed, how you doing, man? Man, I'm
1: doing great. Just still of on cloud nine from Indy.
0: I'll tell you, and, and uh, you may be. I'm not sure if everybody else is because now you're back and you're winning again. <laughs> so, you know, uh, Kevin McKenna did a great story after your Indy win on, on NHRA.com, and, and you talked about some of the reasons that you felt like you wanted to come back, and, and specifically in Supergas. So I kind of want to start there because I think it's interesting. A guy like you that has accomplished so much, you still got some things on the list.
1: Oh, yeah, no. I don't think of, of you know, for me, a racer, it's all I've ever done is uh um uh, I don't think you ever fill the whole bucket up. I mean I know there's guys that are you know, David Ramp obviously phenomenal, Fletcher and um uh, uh, Jaggy is incredible, he does yep. it in every class. But, you know, we got we got guys and Peter and all them guys that do so good, my brother, all them but I had one thing I have a chance to do and somebody had brought it to my attention, one of my buddies, that if I could win a World Championship in the 20s, that'd be at least one for the last five decades.
0: Which is just astonishing. Yeah. I mean, the fact that the in the and the fact that somebody kind of brought it up to you, you hadn't even been thinking about it, is even cooler. I think.
1: They did, well, my buddies, man, they, you know, I don't never do. I brag on the kids, but I don't do that kind of stuff. So they always, hey, man, you know, you're you're this. They call me the king. <laughs> I'm not the king, man. There's plenty of guys out there that deserve that, but. You know, it's cool. It's a lot of fun. We have fun with
0: it. And you know, that's one of the things I want to talk about because for somebody who's raced as long as you have, the fact that this is still fun for you is a big deal. Because I, I know guys, and I'm sure you know, you know, you know, ten times more guys than I do that have raced for a long time, and the fun is just gone for them. But you still have the fun. So why is that?
1: Well, I think it got re, re, uh, uh, boosted or whatever you want to call it when the key all the boys started racing. You know, the junior stuff, That for me, I never, trying to race, the junior stuff was more trouble than anything. If, if I would have been a parent that didn't do nothing and was just doing it with my kids, we would have had a, they for sure would have had a heck of a lot more fun. But when you're going out there trying to, you know, pay the bills, I'm trying to concentrate on my deal and then take, the juniors wore me out. So I'd lost a little interest for sure. And then, uh, you know, sports, I only get to be young one time so we we did all that and you know things just worked out like they have it's been phenomenal
0: you know you talk about that and and your sons have become uh very proficient winning racers themselves and i think it's interesting and i want to talk about this too because you know we hear the stories all the time about a guy who's a professional athlete and he has a kid who's he just runs into the ground and the kid ends up hating sports or you know how did it how was it for you to teach them how to go racing without kind of going over the top with it? Because I feel like that—that's that's a line that gets crossed sometimes.
1: Well, I'm probably I'm probably a hard one to race with or for whatever you want to call it. Because I'm I expect, but i I made a deal a long time ago. I explained to them that it ain't like it used to be. You, you need an education, have something to do to guarantee a living because you're going to have a wife and a family and all that stuff they kind of depend on you. It's not near as... It used to be a lot more open. You know, there's a lot of room to make money and stuff. It, it's, you know, a guy without no help, no sponsor, no nothing, stuff like that, he's going to spend a lot of money. Yeah. You know I mean? So, I tried to instill it to him. I made them all get a college. I didn't go to college, but that was a the deal. They had to get a certificate. So, they all naturally wanted something in race, so they went to, uh, you know, they actually went to learn how to program CNC stuff because that's what you don't have a bunch of. Oh yeah, lots of people machines, but so they've done that. We bought a few machines here and there and grow it up, and they're, man, they're moving along, along, doing you know they're self self efficient. I don't have to run back here and keep spending money or whatever. But we got some things kicking around that we I'm definitely going to run the next couple of years. But the something kicking around, maybe one of them can go to. With me to all the races, you know what I mean. Like I can take a couple days off and go, and then the next one. So we got all kinds of things going. They're so busy around here, and they've all got homes. And my middle one just finished a brand new home. He's been in it for five, six weeks. And the youngest one's finished. He got two more years. He'll be electrical engineer, and he's uh, moved. He's about ninety miles from here. So he's kind of moved out of the nest or whatever you want to call it. He bought him a house. Fixed. So he's got him a house. I don't have to pay rent. And, you know, it's kind of cool. They, they do a good job. They made it easy on me again. So, yeah.
0: So this is why racing's fun, right? Because you get to look around. You get to look like, around. We had so much Damn. going.
1: Yeah. I'm going to tell you, it got to be where it was just, it wasn't no fun. And was and then, there a, you know, I it, the COVID. What's that? Then that COVID stuff yeah, came. Absolutely. You know, and that's been horrible but i guess that's another topic <laughs> it's another story
0: for another day yeah,
1: yeah
0: but and so so we look at where you're at now like if you would if you're looking at your own kind of mentality the way you're approaching the super gas deal the way you're going to go back out for the next couple of years like are you looking at it the same way you looked at it when you were 25 30 years old or do you get to look at it with all the experience you have in a different way
1: Well, a way different way because I got way better equipment. I'm very blessed with the chassis they built me, and you know this is phenomenal. It's like the best stuff I've ever been in. But I'm actually only going to drive one car, and you know I've always drove two, but I'm actually going to. I'm really, really, really pumped up about trying this. So, you know, we went out. Obviously, it won't go like it did them two weekends every weekend. Oh, sure, but. You know, I had some good breaks and good things, and the, and the car cars ever been as good as you want. So, I think. Yeah, I mean, we're going to I'm actually going to go next weekend to a double point race in Virginia. When's the last time you did that? <laughs> oh, okay. Well, the first one I went to in a long time was Bowling Green. Yeah. Like since '19. And then I said, I didn't even went there the last couple of years. Of course, COVID had a little bit to do but we yeah. so busy and the kids are moving forward. You know, obviously I got my hand in it, so I try to you know give one hundred and ten percent if I'm gonna do something. And, and I think uh, this
0: is a you know this is kind of a cool thing because I've talked to I've talked to some of the other kind of higher profile guys that run that run the category nationally that are known that are that are constantly kind of top ten finishers, and they talk about. Having now the shot to kind of race against you, race with you in a very fun way, like these guys grew up idolizing you or at least looking at your accomplishments as kids, and now they get to they get to take their shot and and to me there's no better honor than that for a competitor right if you, If you got guys that are hey, from a different did, generation I, we,
1: there's a lot of people that are really, really good racers, you know like when when I pulled in the staging lanes, I didn't want to run jiggy. Right. <laughs> right. But so You know, it wasn't that when I was, I know he wasn't scared, but no, man, it wasn't that I was scared or nothing, but there's a lot of other races I'd rather run than him. Yeah. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? So when you ran him, and, you, you know, I, I don't know, he probably beat me more than I beat him, but I have beat him before. You, you know what I mean? So it's it, it is it, it's a good deal. And a friend deal because they're great people. Yeah. But I guess that makes it more fun, too.
0: Oh, it absolutely does. You know, and, and you talk about, coming out here and being successful and like how every weekend's not going to be like the last couple, but I think one yeah. of your traits and especially it's something that Kevin McKenna talked about in the story is confidence, but not cockiness. I, w- I want to talk about that because obviously you're a guy that's won all these championships. You know, you're good at this, but you don't let yourself kind of get ahead of yourself, I guess is the, the way to say it.
1: Right. Well, not only that, when you're, you know, the, uh, again, the kids deal comes in effect. you know, they, there's, values you want to teach, or try to, I, I'm by no means a professional <laughs> parent. Do you know what I mean? I, I just tried to, I tried to instill things that don't, all the bad stuff I did, I tried to not ever get that brought up. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and we, we did. We all done bad things. But we were, we were a little crazy, a little easier back in the, Day to do dumb things and get away with it.
0: No cell phones, they,
1: man. No cell phones. Well, oh man, yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? You, yeah. And the and the internet. You really need to walk a pretty straight line. I can tell you for sure. And but go go for it. It's a. It's just a. You know, it's it's phenomenal. It's a lot different. It's. I tell you, the car count back a little bit and. A little more room in the pits and not getting rushed and spreading the race out. Nobody wears herself out. Uh, you know, at first I thought, man, that's so tough. You go day to day. and But probably, it's probably better for everybody. Because you can actually have that issue problem, a major problem, and fix it before the next day of the race.
0: Yeah, if you have an overnight. I mean, which is yeah. cool. We didn't
1: yeah. used to have it that way. Round you to have a division race. You either have your stuff right or you could get left behind.
0: One of the things you brought up is the fact that there the the level of competition and equipment has come up tremendously over the years, and and we've talked about junior dragsters, and obviously they've had a role in that. But you know, I, and I realize you're not a guy who who takes this in in account of your own life, but you're one of the guys who helped make this as hard as it is. You know what I mean? Like you're one of the you're one of the reasons I mean? you're one of the reasons why this is so tough.
1: I'll tell you the funny part about this. And, you know, again, I don't do all that toot and stuff. But the guy that actually got this started that gave me the idea of building and selling cars on the side and all that stuff, racing as a professional and selling each car at the end of every year, your two personal cars, was Cohen. Cohen was so far ahead of the game. And I got to meet him, you know, the, I don't know how much older he is. than I. It's not a bunch by no means. But I got to meet him when I was really young. And that dude was, he had his stuff together. You know what I mean? He won a lot of races and, you know, dominated. And I watched how he was selling. See, he he always made a living. It wasn't drag racing per se, but a living. And then he was selling his car. And I remember back in the early 80s, I said, well, if that car's so good, why are you selling it? He said, the next one will be better. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and my dad gets the help here, and I make a dollar. It's kind of like a Christmas bonus. <laughs> I never forget that. I'm about a lot. i think I got still in high still, <laughs> but it was a long time ago. And I, you know, we traveled around a little bit together in the later years and hung around. You know, we're good friends. Well, I'm good friends with him. I promise. And uh, uh, you, I, I kind of that's kind of the guy I watched a little bit. I guess he was he's the real deal, and he, obviously he's won a lot of races. Yes. But it, it's the real deal.
0: Yeah, that's kind of neat. And it's neat that that was an example that made an impression on you that young. You know, that was something, yeah, that, that, was something that stuck high. with you.
1: Yeah, I thought, man, Chris, there's a way to make a dollar, you know, because not only that, when you do good, you, you know, people tend to maybe give you every penny it's worth for the car. You know, oh, yeah. if you've got a beautiful car and you're just out there competing, you know, it probably won't bring the dollar it could. And that's just the way it is, you know. And I understand that everybody wants a good car. And now there's tons of people you can buy the, the good car where well, we used to take a file and file the edges; they come already filed.
0: <laughs> yeah, this, they're no longer some assembly required, right? You can get it. You can get it as you can get it as done as done can be.
1: But you can call buy a car. Well, just like my Roadster is a good example. Charlie Stewart and him. Nathan Martin, that, that runs the shop, it, them guys put it so close to obviously. I'd never even turn the stop on. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? I never even run it in a quarter mile I got the Bowling Green. My my middle son Bracket raced it three or four times, so it wasn't like it was brand new by no means. But we hadn't super gassed or nothing. And I got in because I mess my knee up. People was asking why did you wait till then? Why did you do this? Why why hadn't you been running? I actually tore a meniscus. I really wasn't supposed to start there, but I didn't want to miss Bowling Green because I still had dreams of being in the All-Stars again. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. And that was the first race. So the kids took me, and all I had to do is get in the car and drive it down the track. I didn't have to get in and out, pulling it up in the lanes and all that stuff. Just one time each run. And, you know, kind of lived through it. And since then, I've been to another sports medicine doctor, and... This guy's maybe I actually can walk right now. Like I feel good, but I'm gonna stay off of it till Virginia, and you know I, I want it to heal because that was miserable since May.
0: Was uh, was there a period, you know, when you talked about, you know, kind of the circus left town? It wasn't that much fun anymore. When you're just kind of grinding yourself to death, you were still winning races at that point. So, can you even compare like a, a race win during that late period when you were getting ready to, to step away versus? The wins at Bowling Green and Indy, like appreciation level, maybe is different now than it was then.
1: You know, it was a—I um, guess it was a really neat feeling. I got a little emotional about, it, but it—it it was, um, you know, you—you you chase that stuff and you work and you—you you know, if you don't have the sponsor, you don't ever really get rewarded for yeah. the effort you put in. You know, you guys and the other—they understand what we're talking about. But you know the local bracket racer—they most of them buy that stuff and they get out, get up on Friday evening, and go to the track, and race a week, and go back, go back, and do the regular job. They don't appreciate what all it really takes if you're going to do it. It's a major, major, major effort. You gotta, you gotta want to. And then, of course, now we travel a little bit with your buddies, and you know you're not so uptight all the time worrying about if you know electric bills going we'll to get paid. Gekker'd say it best. Chet Gecker was way ahead of his time. A great racer, he could tell you best. He done it for a living, for, to my knowledge, his whole life. That's enormous. You know, and now it's it's not that it ain't exactly what I do for a living. And and things are you know I'm blessed. That's probably the easiest way to put it.
0: Yeah, and that's uh, and like you said, this is this is where the the fun comes back into things. And you know, I want to also talk about the the scene of of sportsman racing and bracket racing outside of NHRA because obviously, as you were in the height of your career, you were running all kinds of stuff. Um, I want to go back to the heyday of like the Moroso Five Day down in Florida, which was you know for so many years that was really the pinnacle bracket race in the country. Uh, agree or disagree? Outside of the million, outside of the million.
1: Uh, well, I would tell you the probably most prestigious race for twenty twenty five years was West Palm. Yeah, the five. I went the first year. I was still in high school. Me and a buddy, of my skipped school. And I went down there because, <laughs> as dumb as it sounds or whatever, I had met, there was thirteen races. It was two five days, and then there was some little races. I think it was Sunshine, St. Pete, Miami, Hollywood. There was but there was thirteen races when I left the house to go down there when I lived in Texas. And me and my buddies, we told. talking, I said, I don't think I've ever lost five races in a row. <laughs> you know it pays five thousand back then you got me, that was a lot of money. It pays five thousand dollars. I said, I I can't go to school. And I, I remember when I went in and told my principal, I said, Man, I don't know how we're gonna do this. You know, obviously, I want to graduate high school, but I'm going to Florida. He's like, "Well, you can't miss that many days of school." (laughs) So we about to pick some because I'm going. I'm telling you, and I don't want to not graduate. So uh, well, you know, it all worked out. I went. I was gone and raced and come back and had time. My life got my tail whipped. I think I finished third in the points. And the furthest I went was a semi. I went good every day. But I just never could crack it. And we didn't run much quarter mile back then. Yeah. And, of course, I had, well, I had Gene Snow's first funny car. That's what I was back racing. Really? It was AFA, yeah, old bunches. I actually sold it back to Gene. It's in the museum. That's true. That, that was my car. Ah. You know, man, I, did, I didn't have nothing fancy. I gave $1,100 for it when I bought it. So it wasn't no fancy car. And you so, think about you, know, the,
0: he, you think about the state of things today. Imagine a guy rolling up into a bracket race with whatever the modern equivalent of that would be. I mean, give me a break. You know that's that's an, that's an incredible
1: thing. I, I told you when the cars started switching, you know, and the uh, you know there's there's people in the world that own businesses that are real successful, and they happen to be fortunate that, that money's not the problem. Yeah, and, and that's you know that's a blessing to them. That's awesome. Don't it don't bother me. You know I ain't been no. Wealthy guy by no means, but that never bothered me. But the kids, and I tried not to let mine do that, the kids, I don't think they understand. You know what I mean? If you hand them a gold spoon, that's what they want to eat. Absolutely. Eat out of a gold spoon. I, I, I thought, you know, you need to use a little plastic every now and then. So just and to what it takes to make it happen. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And, and to double back on your experience down there at the five day, how much of a how much of an eye opener was it to see the level of racing that was happening there? Like you tow out there from Texas, you'd been racing around that scene for a while, but then you get there and that's where really everybody is. So tell me about that. Like was it an overwhelming experience at first to go, Oh man, like you look around, you
1: see, Oh, he's here
0: and he's here and he's here.
1: It was I'm gonna tell you when I got started it was overwhelming because the people, even though the racing was way looser back then, the, uh, Timmy Butler, they called him God of dra- bracket racing. And you know why? He still wins today. He was a bad sucker. You know what I'm saying? Dude, guys, I, when I went home, the first, probably the first month we raced after I got back from the Florida deal, well, I killed them guys. I was so freaking pumped up about racing, you know man. I, mean? I my eyes was didn't runs I thought I could make. They was making them.
0: Yeah,
1: you know what I mean. So you you, you either step up or you go get you know the door shut on you a lot. So we we I, I learned as probably the most. And I actually made a little money in Florida. I just didn't win the races. So the 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 bottom line that's what I told them, I got paid to go to school because I I learned a lot. I think. And then you you know mine stepped up and then my equipment got started getting better. You know, I get all these companies that Brodex and uh, uh APD, all these guys that who's your all them guys that helps us made it so easy for me to enjoy whatever car I wanted.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, and I'm telling you, man, I, I gratefully appreciate all them guys.
0: Who was uh who's the one competitor throughout your career that that you've not necessarily enjoyed racing the most, but maybe have been either taught lessons by or have elevated yourself to beat? I mean, if there's, if because there's, you've raced a gazillion different guys, obviously, but but who is, is there anybody that really stands out in terms of this is somebody that's been kind of a defining person for me?
1: Oh, man, our, our track, that, that'd that be a good question. I have not think about that because there's quite a few of them that I paid a lot of attention to. Obviously, Steve Cohen. Yeah. He was so far ahead and knew all kinds of things to do at the finish. You know, without smoking the tires, turning the sideways, hitting the wall. Really? He knew, you know what I'm saying, he knew all kinds of other ways. Parachuting. and That guy's very knowledgeable, I'm telling you. It's probably in everybody's best interest that he's decided to retire and he <laughs> rides around and enjoys himself. because he's a really good racer, and he really knew way back. But, you know, you think back probably – the first professional racer I met that stuck out was in 75. Uh, Johnny, LeBuse, I was 13 years old. Laboose. 11 years, 11 years old. Yeah, Johnny Laboose beat my dad in the final for five grand in Union Grove, Wisconsin. And we stayed in a tent for three weeks with the probably the most dominating. You probably you might not have ever met this guy, but would have been the Lee Shepard Lee Shepard oh, was man. my idol. I went out there and visited him multiple times, and I was out there the morning of his accident when he died in a race car. You, you know me, so that was my idol, no doubt. But that's pro stock, a little different than what we do. The uh, oh, uh, Don, his name was Don Young. Okay. He he was from, he dominated in IHR. and stayed. You know, we we stayed in a tent, showered with a water hose. You know at the racetrack and you know made sandwiches and stuff that's real i call that real life today we go to texas roadhouse or you, you know i mean it ain't near what it used to be we told with a van not a motor home or you know all that kind of stuff and uh, don young was probably he's what taught me really crazy about the bottom bowl but he that guy was phenomenal and he died in a race car at bristol tennessee dang but he, I tell you how awesome he was, and this is how will people you for sure will understand. You know who his pitman was? No. Traveling with his pitman, David Rampey. Oh God! <laughs> wow! Rampey came to my house when he's like seventeen, eighteen, nineteen years old in Texas. He was Don Young's pitman,
0: and he paid attention clearly.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Rampey's definitely. Needs to be in the Hall of Fame racing or whatever you call it. Oh, absolutely. He's no, phenomenal.
0: All right, I'm going to hit you with one last question, then I'll let you go. So it's, it's a pretty generic question, but I think you can answer it, which is what makes a good drag racer? Because you are one. So there are some elements here that you could talk to. So what is the thing, not a great one, Not a not a five-time champion, not a guy who's trying to go for titles in five decades, what makes a good drag racer?
1: I would say the I would say the quickest way and what make a good drag racer would be that you have to you need to give your second when you strap in the car and you're pulling out to make that run, you need to give yourself about two or three minutes that the only thing that's on your mind is doing your burnout staging proper and making that run. You can talk and call your girlfriend or do whatever you want to do, but. For two or three minutes, if you'll concentrate just on that piece of equipment, you it, it'll come so fast. Figure, that's what I used to tell my kids. You know, th- don't worry about dad's mad at me because I didn't cut the grass or, you know, I didn't. For, you, just give me, when you pour out in that water to do a burnout. you know what car you're in? Because we always drive multiple cars. Now what you dial in is, and give me two or three minutes. You give me that effort, so about twenty minutes a night racing, you can actually do good.
0: That's cool. That's a very that's a very cool perspective uh, way to look out at it, man. Well, Ed, uh, hey, listen, congratulations on the win at Bowling Green and in Indy, and I wish you continued success, and um, it's going to be a whole lot of fun watching you have fun in the super gas ranks and locking horns with, uh, with Cool Hand Luke and the rest of them out there, man. They're they're ready for you, and I think you're ready for them. It's going to be great to watch.
1: Hey, man, those bad dudes. I'll pick up somebody. It won't be Luke. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, man. Thank you. Appreciate you.
0: Now that was a great chat. Ed is a fascinating guy. His level of success over the years is incredible, and he is aiming to build on it and to hear why and how he's going to do it, his reasoning for doing it and really his path through this sport. This is not the last time we're going to talk to Edmund Richardson. I promise you that. There was a whole lot more to explore with that guy, and um, I just feel like for this audience, for those of you that don't know Edmund, for those of you that don't understand his career, I think you know that guy pretty well right now, and it's going to be fun to uh, catch back up with him down the road. That's it. We're going to Charlotte this weekend. It is the NHRA DeWalt Tools Carolina Nationals from Charlotte and ZMAX Dragway in Concord, North Carolina qualifying show on Sunday morning and then our elimination shows are on the Fox Broadcast Network. Your local Fox affiliate on the West Coast is going to be before the NFL football game on the East Coast. It'll be after the NFL football game. All you're going to do is turn on to Fox in the afternoon. Check your local listings for the times. It is going to be spectacular. Weather's looking good. It's going to be fast and cloudy. Cannot wait to bring you a broadcast show on Sunday, including Ron Tolber. The entire cast of characters going to be there, and we are going to have a blast. Thanks for listening to this episode of the NHRA Insider. I'm Brian Loans, and I'll be back again next week.